welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. I ended the last broadcast by saying that the Lord willing, we will continue our next study by looking at other scripture references as listed in the Confessions. Instead of doing this, I would like to present some things to further show the relevancy of this subject matter. Part of my journey began back as far as the late 1970s and early 1980s when I became interested in what is considered the, quote, religious right, end of quote. In fact, in 1980, I was present at the National Affairs Briefing in Dallas, Texas, when Ronald Reagan addressed the Religious Roundtable, which uh, was established by Ed McIntyre. Mr. Reagan was running for president at that time. I also attended other sessions of the Religious Roundtable at various places in the country, including one meeting in Washington, D.C. This was one part of the Religious Rite which included other organizations as the moral majority, which was likely the most popular and overreaching group at that time. Regarding the fundamental premise of such organizations, recently in a newsletter published by Chuck Baldwin, the October 10, 2019 edition, he stated the following. I will remember another press conference that I attended with the leaders of the RR, or religious right, back in the day. The reporter's question was, quote, what exactly is it you want? End of quote. I thought the question was terrific. Now, this is Baldwin talking. It gave us a chance to express some of the basic principles of truth that we believed and what we were all about. What an awesome opportunity. One of the key leaders of the religious right back then answered by saying, and this is a quote, quote, all we want is a seat at the table, end of quote. I almost gasped out loud or aloud. What? All of this effort? All of this adversity? All of this energy? All of this prayer and fasting was simply to give the leaders of the religious right an opportunity to sit at the seat of power? At the time, I thought the answer was one man's opinion. Turns out it wasn't. He was truly speaking for many of them. To be sure, not all of them had this Machiavellian motivation, thank God. But far, far too many of them, that is exactly what they wanted. Well, the religious right got their seat at the table. Now that Trump is president, it is a front row seat, and I'm here to tell you the religious right will do almost anything to keep their seat at the table. When they protect Donald Trump, they're protecting themselves. That's the end of the quote of Mr. Baldwin. Whether you agree with Chuck Baldwin or not in his final assessment of the situation is not my concern. What I want to draw our attention to is the answer to the question of what the religious right wanted. 
quote, all we want is a seat at the table, end of quote. In other words, the religious right wants to impose Christian principles into civil government. Allow me to be clear at this point. In my opinion, it is without question that anyone who knows and studies the Holy Scriptures and is truly a Christian knows that it is wrong to murder babies in the womb at any time, that marriage is instituted by God and that it includes one man and one woman, that sodomy is condemned by God, that adultery and all forms of sexual sins are wrong, as well as other sins that destroys society. Furthermore, I believe any nation that supports and upholds such practices, as well as other sins not previously listed, will come under the judgment of God and eventually fall. I also believe that the population, Christians and non-Christians, should be involved in the political process and do all they can to see that our legislators and representatives pass laws against such moral sins and that our judges uphold them, that is, uphold those laws. Equally, Christian ministers are to preach against such sins, but when the congregation of God becomes a political sounding board, it has gone beyond the authority given to it by God. There is no record in the New Testament where any congregation or minister sought to change the policies of civil government under Israel or Rome or any other nation. History teaches us that when the house of God seeks to have a seat in the political arena, it only caused the civil government to fight against it. In other words, when the congregation of the Lord goes outside of its ordained commission, it generally causes more division than good. Yes, there is a fine line of distinction, but it is essential that that distinction be known and carefully guarded. An incident recently occurred that further illustrates the importance of the issues of the Christian and civil government. This took place on February the 12th, 2020 in the state of Virginia. A minister from Warrington, Virginia, was invited to give the opening prayer before the Virginia House of Delegates. His, quote, prayer was more of a sermon than a prayer. What he presented was written. And as he read this so-called prayer, he looked up at the audience from time to time while those around him, and I assume all the delegates, were standing with bowed heads. This may be his normal way of presenting prayers in his congregation, but I rather doubt it. Nevertheless, I often hear ministers giving prayers where it seems they are preaching to the congregation more than actually petitioning the Lord. This, quote, minister delivered his message regarding social injustices from his perspective. He further spoke of murder of the unborn and addressed the wickedness of perverted lifestyles 
and other sins and instructed the delegates of their duty to provide legislations against such things. He was finally interrupted by the Speaker of the House, and she led in the Pledge of Allegiance. This man was invited to give an opening prayer and not to address the delegates as to their role and duty as he thought. One of the delegates was also a minister, and he thought the former minister was out of line, which I agree. Now, be patient with me again as I digress somewhat. While I would likely agree with many of the views of the minister invited to deliver the opening prayer, I believe it was wrong for him to seek to force his beliefs on the House of Delegates. Furthermore, I believe the minister, who is a delegate, should not be serving in such capacity. God calls his ministers to preach the gospel and not to seek political ambitions. Therefore, my opposition or agreement with either minister is not based on political party lines, just as Caesar, that is civil government, does not have any place in the congregation of the Lord. It is not the place of the congregation to provide laws and regulations in the house of Caesar, that is, in civil government. A couple of days following this incident, it was broadcasted on a, quote, Christian news source, end of quote. At the end of the story, the audience was encouraged to contact the opposing minister and give their disapproval to his objection. The audience was further encouraged to contact the Speaker of the House and voice their objections to her actions. Yes, Paul did preach and exhort civil leaders, such as Felix, Festus, Agrippa, and others. But he did it as he was requested to do so as he gave a defense against those who opposed him. Paul never sought out any leader in civil government, nor did he seek an opportunity with the government at any time for the purpose of instructing them concerning the laws of the land or the laws of God. Even the discourse by Paul on Mars Hill was at the request of the court in Athens. He did not go there on his own for the purpose of changing or stopping their governmental procedures. Is it any wonder that the civil government is moving in more and more on the congregations of the Lord when they, that is, the congregations, and all types of denominational affiliations are seeking to persuade the government to follow Christian beliefs. Yes, the world and even civil government will hate the truth of the gospel and persecute Christians. But when Christians seek to force their Christian beliefs on a government that provides religious liberty for all religions according to the laws of that government, it is like jumping into the den of lions and pulling their mane. Obviously, the idea that civil government is to be connected to the congregation is that which flows from the Protestants and not the historic position of the Baptist. 
However, our time is up for today. The Lord willing, we will continue our study of this topic in our next broadcast. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.